Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. This is Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick. Be on the lookout for our brand new Bottled and Bond Solomon Scott Rye Whiskey. Made from a mash composed of 65% rye, 35% corn, and 5% victory malt. This five-year-old, 100-proof rye whiskey is a throwback to early 1800s-style rye whiskeys of the Ohio Valley. Named after the legendary Daisy Spring Mill distillery owner, turned moonshiner Solomon Scott of Paoli, Indiana. Remember, drink responsibly and never drink and drive. another exciting podcast of the scotchy bourbon boys i'm tiny i am here tonight that was kenny fuller of the luca mariano old americana band singing the scotchy bourbon boys theme song thank you so much for that kenny always makes us sound great on the start of our podcast uh once again i'm tiny of the scotchy bourbon boys uh, we are podcasting uh, pretty much six to eight times a month if you check in. Usually it is on Tuesday and Thursday nights, which make it available uh, for you by Wednesday and Friday mornings. Uh, that is does happen from time to time, different ways, different, uh, you know, places and ways that it happens, you know, things that go. And then <laughs> things that go. Uh it does change from time to time. That's what I wanted to say. It, it just uh, lately, because of our schedule and our touring schedule, we've been putting it out and trying to get out the content as much as we can. One of the things that I like to do uh, before, you know, before every podcast is talk a little bit about our sponsors, the Spirit of French Lick. Alan Bishop is the distiller there. You heard him talking about the Solomon Scott. They do a wonderful job down there. And then also they have, let me, I'm going to switch real quick to monitor the Facebook. They have, oh, we got a bunch of comments tonight. So let Facebook, yeah, let's uh, take this down and there we go. So, oh, tiny discuss. All right, here we go. 
We finished in Caribbean rum cast. Yes, Scott Williams. There is a Caribbean rum cast. Yes, yes, you're right. I was wrong with that. Uh, let's see. Scott Williams says, uh, he's about to start my two-liter barrel this weekend of wild turkey. Yep, he's going to be. So, yeah. Scott, it's good to have you. <laughs> I got a little bit detoured. Thank you for watching tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking well, everybody, we're going to be talking about finished whiskeys or and finished bourbons and what the actual what what does finished mean? We'll get a little bit into that for everybody, and then how it has the evolvement of finished uh, bourbons. Because initially, when we started doing this, it wasn't it was this this uh, what would you environment this uh, atmosphere that you know, and then just the overall good vibe around finished bourbons was not there when we started. But uh, we're the Scotchy Bourbon Boys, www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Make sure you check us out on all major podcast formats and then also Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, check us out. Uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, on uh, it, It's just uh, uh, it's we're about almost 1,200 strong. We vet very, uh, it's a gr great group because you're kind of safe. We don't allow, uh, you know, flippers or we don't allow people selling and uh, buying and selling in the group. It is specifically for the Scotchy Bourbon Boys and then all the excellent stuff that happens uh, throughout the industry. Uh, and then all of our friends of the podcast, you got uh, what we were talking about before, our other sponsor, which is the Log Still Distillery, Wally Lynn and Charlie down there. They've just opened up this past summer their, they opened up their distillery. They are full running on their distillery. We went down there. I'm in the process, almost have all the new stuff updated for our spots because they have their amphitheater going full out this year. They've got their distillery going. They're getting close to getting the restaurant and the gift shop, the tasting room. They also have weddings and uh, event center down there. And then hopefully, eventually, there's going to be a hotel. They have their railroad uh, experience where you could take a railroad car, eat dinner, and then take it back or spend the night on the railroad car. So there's some really, really cool things happening down in Gethsemane, Kentucky at Logstill Distillery. All right, so that brings me to, once again, uh, this is another podcast. I'm glad to be back in the studio. I had gone to Wisconsin, and uh, one of the cool things that I did when I was there, I, was, I went back to see friends. Uh, it's basically the world's opening back up. I don't think there's a lot of stuff still wrong going on, but as far as living day to day, it's the good thing. But going down there, saw some family that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, and then also I was able to uh, connect with uh, the Great Lakes Distillery there. Guy hooked up with Charles and Guy, and Guy showed me around the distillery. They've been around for, I want to say they've been around since 2000. 10, but it could be 2012. That's just off the top of my head. I'm going to be doing a podcast up. I was able to bring most of their line back. So we are going to review some of their whiskeys. One of the 
one of the surprising things that happened while I was there is that I'm not a big rye fan. And I, when I go to craft distilleries, similar to what's happening at the Great Lakes Distillery, they make, they have a really nice couple pot stills and they are doing a really good job. Uh, they've got some aged whiskey. Uh, their marketing in the Milwaukee area is fantastic. They got a lot of local people involved and uh, I just, I just really enjoyed it, but I was surprised at how good their rye was. I'm not a rye fan. I was not expecting much, and it blew me away. It blew me away to the same way when I first, the one one rye that I do like is Michter's. So when you're talking, this, this had some unique flavors, and the way it interacted with, uh, as far as a whiskey, it didn't perform like all, you know, the most rise perform. So, uh, I'm just, uh, what would you say? Excited to do the upcoming podcast with the Great Lakes Distillery, but that's what I did. I was pretty much in Wisconsin for the last five days. Uh, I also was able to take the barrel pick, uh, and deliver it to the people in Wisconsin. And I, uh, Josh Charleston, uh, Dario Wilson, Steve Pitzer, Jeff Joyner. I was able to do uh, park shopping mall, uh, shopping mall tailgating, uh, tasting the the barrel. Got in. We went uh, went to a couple Total Wines. Uh, Dario Wilson works at a Total Wine. Saw him there. Dario's a fantastic guy all part of the Wisconsin bourbon scene. And the same thing with uh, Josh Charleston. He runs Wisco and we had a really great night that night. So that was a lot of fun, but that let's just get, that just takes, let's get back into now. I'm going to have to, I think I got a couple, couple, I didn't know what, how I was going to go about this tonight. Uh, my Glen Cairns are dirty because I was in Wisconsin using most of them. And I didn't have time, but tonight, uh, let's let's just talk about, I was looking up the history of, uh, trying to look up the history of a finished bourbon. And when it comes to the history, it's really kind of interesting. <sighs> like, bur- once, once bourbon, putting it into other barrels, uh, that was something... That has always been done by distillers, a secondary finishing barrel. It adds flavor. So as far as how it's, is this a new thing? No, it's not. It's similar to a finished, any other liquor, you know. Uh, There's so many different other ways, but that secondary barrel just makes sense. But... Here's here's the take. When I started in 2018, I started look getting into bourbons. If if you would bring up or do a podcast on finished bourbons, uh, probably at least 60 to 70% of the people would just let you have it. They've basically said that's not bourbon. I drink bourbon. These are not bourbons. And they're right. It's not bourbon. Once you put it in that secondary, like like we were talking just in pregame, uh, to be bourbon, 
And this this is the rules put forth by Congress in 1964 in their resolution. It has to be distilled at no higher than 160 proof. It has to be put into the barrel at no higher than 125 proof. It has to be more than 50% corn. It has to then be other grains. It can be wheat, barley, buckwheat, and other cereal grains. And it has to be uh, put into a new charred oak barrel. And it has to be made in the United States. Those are the rules to be bourbon. So... It doesn't have to be in the barrel for any merit pot. It just has to go in and come out. If you put it in for 10 seconds and dump it out, that barrel's done for bourbon, and that is that can be called bourbon. Now, you could take it one for four. If you keep it in there, then it's straight bourbon. If you keep it in there for two years, that's where Kentucky straight bourbon, that's bourbon distilled, aged for two years in Kentucky, it's Kentucky straight bourbon. To be bottled in bond, it has to be aged at least four years. So then it can be, to be straight bourbon, it can be Wisconsin straight bourbon, Indiana straight bourbon. It's the same rules apply, just it's got to happen in Indiana. So the cool thing about it is what that does is keeps the category tight. There's not too much you can do, but there's a lot. I mean, for instance, our good friend Greg Schneider, uh, shout out to Greg. He basically, um, let's see, uh, we got some people watching, but okay, let's go back to the live chat. Huh? <laughs> Why does it keep doing that? I'm trying to see if anybody's, but oh, Super Nash says hi, cheers, cheers, brother. Uh, but uh, Greg Schneider. Good, a master distiller of chicken cock whiskey and uh, has worked in the industry all his life. What he's doing with chicken cock is he's doing some creative shit with the barrels. I mean, most barrels, you cut down trees, make staves, uh, age them, season them out there, eight, nine, six, seven. It just, there's a certain, whatever they want for seasoning uh, out in the weather, and then you make the barrel. And uh, that barrel can be made with staves from 50 different oak trees. I mean, it, it just, I think it's 45 staves. So 45, 45 uh, if anybody has that out there, let me know. Um, that would be kind of cool to know exactly how many staves are in a barrel. I don't know that, but I should. Maybe I will this time. But it could be all, di- every stave could be different from a different oak. That's why when you age bourbon for, you know, five years and two barrels were the same day, same time put in, put next to each other and the flavors are so different because those, those staves all came from different trees. Now what Greg Schneider's doing is with the Great Lakes, not the Great, the Great Mid, uh, Great West Virginia Barrel Company he is paying attention to the oak trees that they're bringing in off the shade side of the mountain. He does this because the rings in those trees are more condensed because they grow slower on the shade side of the mountain. So then 
he's basically picking every single stave that they're cutting off those trees and setting them aside. So when he's making a barrel, those those barrels could be being made from just one or two trees. And they're the kind of trees that he wants. So now he's taking control of something that most people don't control or isn't thinking. And he's hoping, and he knows, not just hoping, he's going to get more flavor because of those tighter rings. There's more wood sugars in there because of how this this process. So that's how you can adjust flavors. There's also different yeast strains, you know, that you use. You're allowed to, when you're distilling, uh, you need to use yeast. Uh, It's part of the distilling process. That's part of the bourbon, but you can get yeast from everywhere. So that can affect your, your flavor. Then also where it ages and how fast it goes in and out, how many times, how hot it is on the top of the rickhouse. These are all things that are controllable in bourbon to make it different, but it's still a it's still a game. It's a tight game with rules. Everybody's playing under the same rules. Who can play it the best is what basically is happening in the competition. So now you've got all these people, these purists, and they love their bourbon. They love the, you know, it's just kind of like, here's what it's like. It's like baseball. Baseball has rules. It's been played for 100 years. This year, we've added a pitch clock to baseball. Changes the game completely. It's kind of like a finishing barrel is what you're doing. You're adding something that's never been introduced. You're making people do something faster. And one of the advantages of baseball is you can, you up until this year, is you could do it in your own time. Now you can't. Now there's a timer on it. I understand why it's there, but it's going to change the game because there's that timer. And now umpires are adding balls and strikes because of clock violations. And that is something like what a finishing barrel is. I'm not saying it's going to make it worse. It's just going to make it different. And that's what a finishing barrel does. Now, when it comes to, for me, what? how does this work? Okay, so you age your... Yellowstone, five years. You age your Bardstown Bourbon Company. Um, let's see. They are always... Uh, I don't think it has an age statement, but I'm going to look. It has uh, multiple different uh, whiskeys, but it's got a 10-year-old Tennessee. So what they did is when they got it, it they, they have the different things. They make the bourbon. Once they make the bourbon, this one right here is the collaboration series, a collaborative series, and they then put it in plantation rum barrels. Um, I don't know how long. Maybe it's sometimes I'll look again. <laughs> For 22 months. So they basically take that bourbon and put it into the plantation rum barrel. Now. Rum barrels finishes, and as uh, I've talked with Greg Schneider about this in depth and also a little bit uh, about finishing barrels with Alan Bishop. Rum rum is a different thing than wine, 
And I really like the rum barrel finish. And it seems like when you do the rum barrel finish, uh, this is Bard's Towns uh, Plantation Rum Collaboration Series. Uh, it's got Tennessee whiskey. Uh, it also has their own uh, whiskey in there. So uh, it's it's fantastic what these finishes do. But can can we can we call them? So Scott Williams is saying uh, keeping alcohol, bourbon, rum, cognac stored in sub basements bring out the fruity notes uh, much higher up in the rickhouse. Draws out the burnt sugars, caramels, and vanillas. So he added in that's something. So the finishing is another whole skill. That's what it is. Uh, I don't. I, it's kind of a cool thing. <clears throat> I always look. At the same, at this the same way as I look at modern distilling technology, I think modern distilling technology is what it is. If it's in the right hands of a great artist, he's going to take that uh, distilling technology and go with it and make some fantastic stuff that he'll have complete control of. If you can control the temperature perfectly and you can. I understand when you're running a pot still and you have all those controls and everything and it's feel and there's so much involved with that. I, I respect the hell out of that craft, how someone learns that. And But in modern, uh, at Bardstown Bourbon Company, they know, they have a computer telling them everything. They have a, they can maximize how much their yeast, uh, the yeast production. They can change the temperature and see what strains of yeast uh, do the do what they do, and how at what temperature it's most productive. So they they monitor all this. They're always monitoring it, constantly getting better and better. So if you give Greg Schneider this technology, he's going to adjust and he's going to make adjustments based off of his knowledge of the past. And those adjustments are going to be done to the perfection of what he wants it to be done at. So that's something that's really kind of cool. Whereas if you just give it to somebody who doesn't have those skills, they can distill, but they might not quite understand what they're trying to do. And it makes it easier for someone without the skills to still be able to distill, but not as good. They don't know how to get that next level, that next step. Now, at a place like Partstown Bourbon Company, you've got Nick Smith you got Steve Nally, all fantastic distillers. And they're teaching all the next generation distillers how to use these systems with this automation so well, you know, put put together. And uh, it's quite amazing what they're doing. So this one here is the plantation rum. And I'll tell you on this one where it was aged because... That's the uh, that's the burnt sugars. There's a little. It's probably aged right in the middle. A little bit of there's a little bit of a vanilla and some nice sugar brown sugar, and then there's also a nice fruity apricot to it. So that's a delicious. This is a delicious bourbon right here. Uh, finished bourbon. 
So we have all these finished bourbons. So, and what makes, we've, we've talked about it, what makes a finished bourbon is the actual taking the bourbon out of its barrel when it's done for its aging process and putting it in another barrel, whether it be cognac or La Rosso, uh, which is a very a different sh- type sherry. Uh, and then there's also port wine. There is cognac, Armagnac. So you've got all these different, and rum. And you got all these different types of rums. So there's so much, but then there's also the other one that I wanted to talk about, which completely, so in my opinion, your red wine finishes, your sherries, and then you get into the cognacs and the armagnacs, which are higher end wines. They all add a certain flavor. I prefer armagnac because I just really love it. Cognacs are okay. Uh, but the one, uh, I had the chicken cock Santa Claire, which is done in a cognac, finished in a cognac barrel. That's delicious. But the one that I wanted to talk about from chicken cock tonight, mm, I really tend, it's the Armagnac and the, the, the rum barrel finishes that are my favorite when it comes to finished whiskey. But there's this. This is the one. Beer Barrel Select. It's a six-barrel batch. So what he did is he did a rye, and then he emptied it and gave a brewery six barrels, and they basically aged their barrels and gave those barrels back. So this is uh, a very delicious, I got to see if it's, it's a beer barrel distilled in Kentucky, six barrel batch. In the summer of 2018, we bottled 12 barrels of our award-winning double barrel bourbon. We then gave six of those barrels to our Friends at Goodwood Brewing in Louisville finished the delicious walnut brown ale. When they were done, we took those barrels back and we filled them with a blend of our best hand-selected Kentucky bourbon. The result is our beer barrel select, born and bottled in the Bluegrass State. Cheers. Nice job, Greg. I got this. I picked this up uh, at, uh, I first had it through Greg, and then I was able to pick one up at a liquor barn. So now when it, oh, that is interesting. This has been open in there for a while, and I got extreme notes of chocolate and wheat. It's bourbon. I've had that bottle open for about six months. Maybe eight, and that is delicious. So that's surprising because normally I would get the brown ale taste, and I'm just getting a toasted. There's a little bit of the ale. That's that's some 
fine, fine bourbon. Finished bourbon. Beer barrel bourbon. Wow. Was not a, it's way different now than it used to than it was when I first opened it. And that's one thing that's kind of cool, especially with these uh finished bourbons that the, you introduce some air to them and let them sit for a little bit and a lot of extra stuff happens. So uh these bourbons, uh let's just talk about cost. You're not gonna find finished bourbons at a cheap cost. It's just not not that the process is what dictates the cost, right? So when you think about it, the the process is not only do you have to make your bourbon, do everything you do with one, then you've got to basically pull it from the wick rick house, dump it. Uh, and if you're dumping, you know, six barrels, you dump those six barrels and then you rebarrel them into the other barrels. And then you let it sit for another eight months. So you've got that extra handling added in there as far as cost plus the extra age. And you're just, the age that you're adding, You're not only you're adding the age of the wood added into whatever your bourbon was. If it's a seven year and you keep it in there another year, now it's eight year. So as things go about and keep going forward, that's what keeps happening. So it's really a cool kind of thing. Uh, but let's just get into one more. Uh, remember, for everybody that's new to this, your finished bourbons are going to be a little bit more and your finished whiskeys because of that double process in review. Plus, what they are aging it in, and I was at J. Henry because when I was at J. Henry, they had just gotten a shipment of their Armanac barrels. So that's the other thing I want to talk about. It seems like for the distilleries, what are they aging? What what determines what they're going to put their their bourbon in into age? Now, with uh, what Greg Schneider did at Chicken Cock with the beer barrel, he created the system. He basically uh, made bourbon gave the distiller or the brewery his barrels and then got them back. So he knew what he was going to do based off of the project. But most distilleries are trying to buy these these barrels are not cheap. They're the 50, they're they're bigger than the 53 gallon uh bourbon and if you're dealing with wine, some of them have uh they're old. And when you look at them, you they've got age and mold in a different way. And they're be- these these barrels are beautiful, beautiful barrels. But uh, what would what would I like to say? They're expensive. So if you're buying an Armagnac, a cognac barrel, or you're buying an Oloroso sherry, and you're buying from specific wine regions. What's happening is is you've you're buying barrels from France and different countries and they're sending those barrels back. And the for that to happen, now there's two ways to do it. One is called uh it's wet and there's some of the material still left in. Uh Alan Bishop uh went into this in detail because if it's too wet you're basically adding wine to your whiskey and you're becoming a rectifier. 
you're adding a rectifiers add actual um, whiskey or let's just say they add other like actual rum if you add rum to whiskey you're blending rum and that's considered you are a rectifier so you want to make sure that it's a finishing barrel where the the flavors are coming from the the wood and what's left in the wood. Now, there's two ways you could do it when it's dry or wet. Sometimes the wet has a little left in. You want to dump out the extra, but it's wet, so it's going to put in more. Or if it's dry. But as a distiller, when you're doing that finishing, you know if it's wet, you're going to be leaving it in there for a little less time. And if it's dry, you probably got to leave it in there longer. Now, I know that one of the cool things... Uh, Greg Schneider did with the Island Rooster, which was uh, his rye finished in uh, rum barrels. The first round he put in, and it took about six months, I think eight months, I want to say eight months in the barrel, and it was done. But then once they dumped him, he put more rye in there. And he had to let it sit just a little bit longer, like 11 months. So that's another thing that you got to do when, you know, you can actually reuse those barrels again. Now, what's the cool, what's the cool part about that, right? Uh, reusing those barrels. I, I, it's kind of like, once again, the main difference is that if you use those barrels... For finishing, finishing is you've used the new bourbon, you know, you've made bourbon in new charred oak barrels, dumped it out, and then put it into a finished wine barrel, rum barrel, beer barrel, what what have you. But if you basically put the, the, the distillate into a used whiskey barrel or a used barrel right away, now you're just making whiskey. It's that's the primary bear and it can't be bourbon. So when you see this and they say bourbon finished, that means they've made bourbon first and then finished it in a finishing barrel. So that's that is the main thing about finishing barrels. So, okay, so we've we've tasted the the beer barrel finished. We've tasted the so let's give a little. So I've got this Yellowstone and this is finished in Armanac. This was, I believe, 2020. Uh, we went down to the distillery. This one is signed by Stephen Beam. And this was my first endeavor into Armagnac barrels finished bourbon. And this is 100, 101 proof. Uh, I tend to like, when it comes to finished bourbons, I tend to like the finished the, the barrel strength. So this Bardstown here, I believe, is 104. That's 107. This beer barrel select was 90. So this is 101. It's been in that bottle. The Armagnac... Right now has it. Now I've got the old elk, which I was part of the pick. And this is an Armanac cast finish also. And I this pick 
I knew when I was tasting this particular barrel that it was absolutely delicious. So, Old Elk has it. This was actually for the state of Ohio. So, this was... <laughs> It was six year old, 12 months in the, so it'd be seven year. Uh, it's from 2022 and barrel number 27. All right. I've opened that, but I've not tasted it. Oh, now this one. Wow, was that good? Now, this is. A barley bourbon. Uh, Old Elk is 34%. Now, is that wheat whiskey? Or is it... Um, what is it? Let's see. Nope. That one is Armanac finished barrel proof. Now, what's the proof on it? Did I tell you the proof on that? Let's see. 116.8. That's why I like it. I do like the barrel strength. Yeah, that old elk is some damn good Armanac finish. And now, the one I'm going to finish up with. Perry's watching. Hey, Perry. Hey, Mike. Good to see you guys. I've got this Middle West. This is an Oloroso finished wheat whiskey. Five year. This I tried. And not cast strength. And it just was good. But when this at 121 proof finished in these Oloroso sherry casks, it is something special. So they took their five-year wheat whiskey. I was down at Middle West. Um, they are what Ryan Lang is doing down there. They're getting ready to they are expanding their distillery building brand new uh distillery and then also a whole event center with restaurants and shopping and hotels and it's just going to be fantastic so can't wait for that to happen but they're really good at making whiskey down there and their wheat whiskey is fantastic yeah that does it for me that's on a level of fantastic but what i'm gonna say is these finished whiskeys bring something else to the table i mean i love bourbon i love to taste the different bourbons and all the different you know all the different craft distilleries and all the different big distilleries all make some fantastic bourbon i taste a lot of bourbon but when i get into these finished whiskeys and bourbons it adds it takes them to another it takes it on a different level and it's got to be you got to actually acknowledge that it's finished because you can't get to this level and if you do get to this level without finishing you're really taking you're making a special whiskey so once again let's let's review couple years ago when I first started, the 
acceptance of finished whiskeys just wasn't there. Uh, it, anybody who wants to chime in at this point, if you're watching and you want to say something, uh, it, it was frowned upon because you were basically taking this tight category and you were changing it. You were introducing something else. And they, that's not in, in most of the whiskey people's minds. That wasn't fair. Also, in 2008, it, it just, I'm just talking about 2018. Consistency still was a thing. Distillers from the beginning, one of the hardest things they ever were able to do is consistently make their whiskeys taste the same. They did some insane things with their yeast to protect their yeast culture. They did some, I mean, they were trying to make this work. You know, they tried 100% to make the whiskey uh, consistent. That's what they were looking. It was the hardest thing to do because you're dealing with aging in a barrel and you're dealing with all those things that pull you away from consistency. So then how do you get consistency? Well, you make, you blend a bunch of barrels together and you consistently try to hit that same flavor profile. By this barrel added in and this much of this barrel and you make your batch, you blend your batch and you bottle it and people get, start getting consistency. I mean, Jim Beam, I mean, it's a, it, it tastes like Jim Beam. You can, you know what you're tasting when you taste it. You can taste it, you can taste it in Europe. You can taste it here. You can taste it in California. You can taste and pretty much Jim Beam across the board is going to taste like Jim Beam. That's what they do. They got that consistency. And people demanded that consistency. That's what they wanted. They, I mean, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, and even in the 80s, the 90s, that's what they drank because it consistently tastes the same. Now, when you got it into these small batches now with Knob Creek and Booker's and Rare Breed and these, and these barrel proofs, Consistency was important, but what I've been noticing over the past couple of years is that people accept changes. And between batch to batch on these small batches, you're always hoping it gets better. And realistically, in my, my humble opinion, the last 10 years has been probably some of the best aging whiskey weather there possibly could be. Uh, Hots and colds all over the place. Snow one day, 40 degrees the next. I mean, I was talking to, uh, you know, talking, we were, I was talking with uh, Kevin Holly, and he makes syrup and his syrup trees are producing this spring at a level that he it's just fantastic because of that hot, that cold, the hot, the cold, the hot, the cold, hot, the cold, disturbed, the syrup trees are going crazy. But so is the aging of the whiskey. So it, even let's just say you put, put this into a barrel, a finishing barrel and it's hot and you get, you know, a couple hot, cold changes and you're, it's aging great. So you pull a lot of that, whatever you're trying to pull out. So we're getting really good aging climate for aging whiskey, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, all across the Midwest. Even when you're drinking uh, Colorado and Wisconsin, they're actually able to age their whiskey. 
So it's been really kind of a cool, cool run. And then when you throw in the, the last fact, which is all the people, all the new people, and them jumping in, and they're not fully educated and everything's out there, the, the acceptance of the finished bourbon has gone from like 10% acceptance to 90% acceptance. Some people still don't like finished bourbons. And, and you know what? That is completely their uh, that is completely their opinion. They're allowed to. So uh, Scott Williams said that I don't. I feel that the cognac. He said it's it's like the difference between bourbon and rye when it comes to cognac and armagnac. Uh, cognac is smooth, and armagnac is it's spicy. Mountain brother, my opinion, anyways. Well, the armagnac is sweeter to me. The cognac comes off a little bitter. I'm not saying I don't, but I was just, I just, for whatever reason, that Armagnac has a little bit more sweetness. So, and because I would say, um, Scott, because I dr- like it at that, at the cast strength, usually the spice is probably the same. I just like those, you know, the differences between them. So, you know, I see that you're saying that cognac is smooth and Armagnac is its spicy mountain brother. My opinion, his opinion anyways. Uh, cognac and Armagnac, are they the same way? Vanilla caramel, whereas the rye is more spicy. Cognac and Armagnac, are they the same? Uh, uh, I would say just it's, it's more like sweet and bitter. Armagnac. I get that's a little bit of that sweetness, and and in the cognac, it's just a little bitter. Now, I'm not saying I don't like the cognac finishes. Uh, what happens on the Santa Claire for chicken cock? That actually is pretty delicious, but I've just seen to go towards those Armagnac finishes that I like a little bit more. So we've got that covered. All right, everybody, thank you so much for watching tonight. Uh, Tiny is going to check out. I'm, you know, it's been a little bit. I had a great time in Wisconsin seeing everybody. Uh, One of the things, if you ever uh, contact me on any of the social media, on Facebook or whatever, I'd love to get together and have a pour with anybody who wants to. If you're ever in the Canton, Ohio area, you know, Let's let's hook up. I've got a lot of whiskey to taste and uh, a pretty extensive collection these days. So, you know, I'd love to sit back and have, uh, you know, relax and have a pour. Uh, so anybody out there, you know, take me up on it because you guys are why I do this and I enjoy doing this so much. So anyways, uh I, with that, (laughs) remember everybody, uh, I gotta get, I gotta get everything going again here. Uh, you know, it's, let's get the, let's get little Steve-O queued up right now and, and I'll start it. All right. Nope. That's for the week. That's what I want. There we go. Here we go. 
Let's hope it's, it says downloading, but all right. All right, everything's going to shit right now. That's kind of crazy. All right, there we go. We'll turn it back on. <laughs> it's doing, it's like, oh my God. There we go. We're hooked up, but now, seriously, why would it not want to? I got to take it off. Though. All right. There we go. There we go. I got it up. All right, everybody. Thanks for, uh, you know, watching tonight on Facebook Live. Uh, good to be back podcasting. Uh, I love talking about the finished bourbons and getting, you know, getting all the questions answered for everyone. So with that said, remember www.scotchybourbonboys.com for everything Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Get a Glen Karen t-shirts, anything you want off there. And then also, if you want a Glen Karen or a t-shirt, you can always contact me. I, you can Venmo me and I'll send it out. We get the pertinent information. And then also remember, we are on all social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. Check us out on all those. Uh, join up with us on Facebook uh, there. Um, you know, sub re remember, whatever you do, like, listen, comment, and subscribe. And then also leave us good feedback on all of the podcast formats that you listen. If you're listening to a podcast, the Scotchy Bourbon Boys are on your format. So with that said, everybody, remember, good bourbon, good finished whiskey, good whiskey equals good friends and good times. And go out there and live your lives dangerously. Little Stevo's going to take us out. Oh, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die. I tell you we must die. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts.